This is a WKXL Spotlight. Today, here on WKXL Radio, we will be hearing from a man who needs no introduction in my world. But we're here to spread some news into your world, you and the listening audience. I would like to welcome onto the airwaves Charles Hoskinson. And Charles, how would you like me to refer to you as? I mean, uh, my leader, (laughs) I could certainly refer to you as such, but what do you think the best way would be to uh, refer to you? (laughs) Oh, well, uh, I'm a serial entrepreneur and also the chief executive officer of Input Output. CEO of Input Output, which, uh, why don't we take that and we can just start right there. Let people know, or I can tell people out there listening what I know. Charles was involved early stages with cryptocurrency and knows more about this space than probably anybody out there you could hope to hear from. He was involved with the creation of Ethereum in a major way. Ethereum is the second largest market cap coin in existence today after Bitcoin, and Charles is largely responsible for the creation of Cardano. That's how I would frame the intro, Charles, for you, which can lead us into input-output. Is there anything else you would want to add or modify on what I said there? Yeah, uh, with respect to the cryptocurrency space, I mean, if you look at Ethereum and Cardano, it's about $320 billion of value. So that's, uh, that's not too bad to be participating in that. But what I've become is, is kind of a venture studio, and uh, we have a whole portfolio of exponential technologies that we work on. For example, we do work with synthetic biology, and I work with Colossal, and I have another company called Ghostfire. And there, we're de-extincting the woolly mammoth and bringing it back. And we should have some great surprise announcements this year. And got glow-in-the-dark plants that also sequester carbon. And then we do work with respect to AI. We do uh, work in healthcare. Uh, my dad's brother doctors, and they run a beautiful clinic up in uh, Gillette. And we have 6,200 patients, and we do a lot of research for anti-aging. But I'm most known for the, the cryptocurrency and blockchain side of the portfolio because that's where about 80% of my time and you know, up to 700 people that work with me, uh, the, the vast majority are in that bucket. But I also ranch, got a bison ranch up in Wyoming, and got about 600 of them running around trying to kill me. So it's, a, it's kind of a, a very varied lifestyle. I told you people he was smart. Charles, when you start talking about the other pieces of info, woolly mammoths bringing them back, and I think you said something about photosynthesis or something along with plants. Do you have passions? Do you have passions in all those areas, or do you have like enough intelligence to be like, I'm going to invent stuff in these fields, or did you just link up with smart people and be like, Hey, you're smart. What are you doing? Okay, let me put some money into that direction and see where it goes. Well, I, I love product development, and I'm very interested in exponential technologies. And so those are technologies that you have a small amount of effort, you get an exponential return. So you kind of think of things like nuclear weapons, where just a little bit of stuff, and so you get a big explosion. Well, it turns out that there's a lot of tech that's being invented this day, where a company with 50 to 100 people can build something that has a billion customers and impacts the lives of a billion people. So when you look at things like Ghostbar, for example, that company making glow-in-the-dark plants, well, outside of the fact that it's just cool as heck and it's like Avatar, you can also use them to alter the environment around them. So they can sequester carbon or they can clean up environmental toxins like lead and arsenic. You know, you can use it for organic lighting alongside roads, uh, especially in rural areas of America. And it's like, wow, I got a small company of like 20 people, 30 people, and we can create a plant that can go everywhere and then suddenly change the environment of the whole world. If you look at the history of the world, this cyanobacteria 
three billion years ago kind of rebuilt the whole atmosphere and gave us oxygen, which led to the creation of humanity and everything we have. So, you know, small stuff can have a huge impact. It's the same for mammoths. You know, I spent a huge amount of time in Africa, and Ethiopia has lost 70% of its biodiversity just in the last uh, century. So you know, most of the land mammals are, are endangered or they're having problems. And the problem is, economically speaking, there's no way to stop that. So a lot of them are just going to go extinct, and it is what it is. So invest in de-extinction, and you actually can bring stuff back when it makes sense as kind of an insurance policy for the world around us. But my biggest passion is definitely in cryptocurrency because I really believe in the freedom of association, commerce, and expression. It, it means so much to me. And to build technology where you can return power to people, uh, that's, uh, that's the place I want to live my life, right? Because I don't really like the way the globe is going, the world is going, and I think there's a much better way to do this. I'd agree. I, as a radio show host, Charles, I mean, I talk to the people daily here. I've only been on the radio for three months, just so you know. I was a professional recruiter in technology, recruiting salespeople around the U.S. I had my own company for 20 years. So I love to talk to people on the phone and love to interview them. Now, here on the, you know, the Sports Machine with Slim is my daily sports talk radio show. But this WKXL Spotlight show I created just to to spread news about good things that are happening out there. And that's why I'm so happy that you came on and you're bringing knowledge and intelligence to the people that are listening out there. What I am curious about, just for your businesses with input-output and the side investments, I don't want to say side because it sounds like they're parallel, almost just incredibly smart stuff, but when you're doing work there and trying to develop products, are those products trying to be developed for governments or individuals? To sell to you know, it's a little bit of it's a little bit of everything. You know, it, governments in particular, Middle Eastern governments like Abu Dhabi, Dubai, uh, they're, they're quite interested in exponential technologies, world-changing things, and you know they have trillions of dollars in their sovereign wealth funds, and so they're really in a position to not only invest in that, but because of the way their governments work, you know, one or two decision makers can basically flip a switch, and then suddenly the entire country operates that way. It's much much harder to do government procurement in Europe and the United States. And so we tend to uh, stay a little bit outside of those circles because of the inefficiencies and also, frank, change of policies. I mean, look at the, the oil pipeline from Canada down to you know, the United States. For 10 years, we're doing it, and then suddenly the, the administration changes and everything gets put on hold and hundreds of thousands of jobs are in jeopardy. And maybe we change the regime again, and then suddenly we're doing it again. That kind of whiplash of governance, it means that you, you should focus on different constituencies. So we try to blend the portfolio a little bit between retail and consumer and business and government such that, you know, no matter what's going on geopolitically or what's going on, uh, you know, economically, there's always a customer that you can interface with and, uh, and serve. That's a great transition to go kind of full throttle into the crypto side of things for a while, Charles, because when you're talking about building out cryptocurrency-focused solutions or blockchain-focused solutions even. I mean, you don't know what the policies are going to be from month to month, year to year, or what, much less decade to decade in the United States. So you, a lot of your crypto work, like input-output, is based in Hong Kong. Am I right with that? Well, no, we used to be a long, long time ago. And actually, we, we did a horizontal transition. We, we came uh, into Singapore as our Asia headquarters. But actually, our, our global headquarters is based in the United States, uh, right in the state of Wyoming. Okay. And we've worked really closely alongside other parties with the Wyoming government to get a bunch of laws passed to actually make Wyoming one of the best places in the world 
to form a blockchain company. They, they passed more than 30 laws. You know, it's kind of funny. You think, oh, gosh, you can't do anything in America. Everything's so static. And at the federal level, that's definitely true. But at the state level, there's a lot of lawmakers that are very innovative. Like, you know, I was part of the Ron Paul campaign many years ago. We always wanted to have full reserve banking. So we went to Wyoming. We said, could we create a full reserve bank? And they said, yeah, sure, let's do it. So they created a speedy bank. And now there's actually litigation between the state of Wyoming and the people there in the federal government because the federal government doesn't want full reserve banking because it kind of hurts their whole fractional reserve thing. That's the same for new business structures and models. So we, we moved actually into Wyoming a few years ago, and it was one of the best things we ever did. We just absolutely love working with that state. So good to hear. I love to hear that there's something great going on within the United States that, uh, I mean, obviously I wasn't smart enough to know you'd even uh, <laughs> left Hong Kong, so I apologize on that side. But go ahead. You want to talk further about, um, I know uh, Caitlin, is it Long? What I forget what her uh, name is. Yeah, She's Caitlin from Long. All right. I follow her a lot, too. Yeah. She's another smart person in crypto. She stays mostly focused on Bitcoin, though, doesn't she? Uh, she's actually become a... Uh, uh, more than just Bitcoin. And uh, the thing is, she actually is using one of those bank structures that got created, the uh, special depository uh, license. She has that for Custodia, and she's running a full reserve bank and actually in litigation, I believe, with the Federal Reserve so that they have to give her a bank account, a master account. Uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's great that, you know, we can keep that balance of power between the states and the federal government and use it as a way to, to push back a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, when you take a, a zoom out, you say, what's the point of our industry? And the, and the problem is that we kind of get pigeonholed into, you know, this number go up, that must be a good thing, almost like a stock market or something. But it misses the, the broader point that this is all about just finding new ways to create trust in institutions that can't be evil. You know, the problem we have right now in America is it doesn't matter if you're right wing or left wing, there's some group of people that you don't trust. Uh, and we, we might trust different sets, but... And 100% of Americans are starting to lose faith in at least one or more government institutions. It could be our education system or the way we run health care. You know, it could be uh, the way that we run, uh, you know, our, our uh, military. It doesn't really matter. There's at least one or more institutions that you're, you're having some trouble with. And so the fundamental question is, how do you restore trust? And that's really what our industry is all about. Building Verifying. technology, you know, building... Oh. Did I just lose you? No, no, I'm with you, Charles. We're going to transition to a commercial right here and pick right back up on the trust piece and verifying things using technology, which is really, I think, a mainstay of crypto that nobody talks about. So let's revisit that here or pick things up after this break on WKXL Spotlight with Charles Hoskinson, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, New Hampshire. This is NewHampshireTalkRadio.com. Welcome back to WKXL Spotlight with Charles Hoskinson, CEO of Input Output, who is doing things I never even dreamed of, as we heard in the first segment there with the overview of the the technologies that uh, Charles is touching into in various vertical markets. Let's talk about crypto. As we were heading into break there, 
Charles was talking about trust, and I had written down on my notebook in preparation for this interview here, crypto is a scam, because I hear so many people that lost money and just have that overview. But Charles loves to talk about how it's more than just the prices of coins, it's what this technology can actually do throughout various areas of society, Charles. So if you want to pick right up there. Yeah, you know, just it's always useful to have a case study. For example, uh, for an election system, you say, okay, shouldn't you be able to check your own vote and also check the integrity of the system as a whole? Because currently the way we do elections in America is like, trust me, bro. And if you disagree, well, you're a bad person. It's like, well, no, this is a constitutional republic. It kind of only works if we believe that our votes count. So why is it in 2024 we don't have a system where when I vote, I can actually click a button and say, yes, uh, John Smith voted this way. And also, the minute you have that, you can actually have election diversity and have a very different ballot architecture. Like, for example, you can rank choice and say, hey, I like A, B, C, D, or somebody else says I like B and D and E and so forth. Well, that's an example of, uh, of a, what our, our, uh, the same type of technology can be reused to do. So if you, it's good for a currency, it's actually good for tallying votes and counting them in a trustless way without requiring a government agency. You can move over to healthcare and you say, okay, well, we have all these different health institutions and you have medical records that are sitting near clinic or the hospital and they're very fragmented and, and these big companies basically come in like Athena and Epic and they just have a huge amount of control over that stuff and they kind of sculpt the markets and they add all these parasitic loads and it's hard to get data. Well, what if you could own your own medical records or own your own identity and then you actually could be an agent in that and, and make sure that you can move it around? Well, that's another example of these meta systems, especially when you want to globalize. For example, how do you move your medical records between Europe and the United States or Europe and Asia and the United States and, and, and so forth? Well, it's really hard to do that at the moment. In some cases, it's just frankly impossible. And if you zoom out a little bit, you realize the world is getting very multipolar. What that means is instead of one system, the Western system that controls everything, now we have Russia and China and India and Africa and the Middle East and Europe and the United States. They're all kind of going their own way. And so we're trying to solve these global collection active problems like the UN SDGs or all the ESG stuff. But at the same time, there's no way for people to trust each other and work together. If we pass an environmental policy here, China is not going to follow it. Russia is not going to follow it. So why are we crippling our economy over it when it's one globe and it doesn't work? So the whole point of blockchain is unifying people who don't trust each other, who have to trust each other for a common public good. That's really what we do as an industry. The first use case was currencies. That's why you have these markets that go up and down and trillions of dollars are lost and made. But it's kind of like email with the Internet as kind of the first use case. It gives you a, a basis to kind of understand it, but nobody would say, oh, the Internet is only email. It was just the first killer app that got people into it. And now you have Facebook and YouTube and all these other things. By the way, it's not just the movement of value or consent. It's also the movement of information. A big concern that I have and a lot of other people have is deplatforming. You say the wrong things about the wrong people, suddenly you no longer have a Facebook account. You know, suddenly you no longer have a Twitter account, these types of things. You just get kind of knocked out. Everyone's well, afraid. Everyone's afraid to say yeah. what's on their mind for fear of what, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly right. So why is it that the social networks aren't decentralized and you can't be deplatformed? You know, why is that not a public good? Well, the reason being is that we just handed that control to a small group of corporations and governments, and they kind of get to decide what truth is. And if you deviate from it, you know, suddenly we have a problem. 
so that should be a public protocol, just like being able to count your own vote, you know, just be like being able to verify the integrity of the system. You should get a guarantee that you can't be deplatformed from a system. What about, uh, Charles, what about, all, not to interrupt you, sorry, but what about people on the sure. other side who will say, oh, you can't uh, say just anything that you want. There has to be some content moderation out there, right? Like if somebody was going to argue against what you just said, which is the freedom for anybody to say whatever they want, you're going to have somebody in government certainly who would say, well, you can't have Johnny being able to say this or that because, you know, that, that, that's right. just uh, illegal or whatever. What do you say on that side of things? Well, you know, what you do is you look at the difference between the platform and the protocol. So the protocol is how you move the information around and how people have access to that. Just like the Internet's backbone, TCPIP, you should not have a situation where one group uh, controls that on and off ramp. Because it's not then going to be about content moderation. It's going to be about commercial or political interest. There's too much temptation to cheat. Then the platform is the, is the particular interface upon which you connect with that protocol and those can be moderated differently. For example, if you have kids or if you have certain groups that have certain philosophies, they can apply any regime that they want to basically to platform or censor. But that's community moderation, and that's done with consent of the people of that community, and they've decided that those are uh, in their best interest. There we but go. I really just we go. do not feel do comfortable yeah. with, a, with a bureaucrat being in charge of that, you know, because they almost always they're going to say, well, you know, anything that I like is, free speech and anything that I don't like is hate speech and they'll just deplatform it. And it's, it's bipartisan in that dimension. And totally the agree. human beings are notoriously bad at that. It's, this is great, Charles. So, so what you just said, I think some people listening would be like, what is he saying there? In, in my world, and I totally agree with you, if there's, let's just say there's a new social media company created today and nobody is able to determine or, or say, hey, you can do this or you can't do that. It's not an individual in a centralized location that's making decisions on who can post what. It's everyone amongst the community. And let's just say that if 90% of the community vote and you get your one vote, which is trackable and stuff like that, 90% say, well, hey, this person is saying filthy things. We don't want that person on this platform. The vote says 90%. That's the policy. Okay, they're out. But it's a community that's charging things because there's no one person making the decisions. Am I saying that in plain speak kind of, Charles? Yeah. And to take it a step further, if you get kicked out, you still keep your friends. You still keep your pictures, your videos. You still keep your content history. You just can't share it within that community anymore. But that's your property. That belongs to you. You know, and the problem with deplatforming is it isn't just about silencing a person. In many cases, the person's economic agency gets destroyed. So if you get kicked off of YouTube and you're a YouTube influencer, or podcaster, you suddenly you've just lost 90% of your revenue. And what if you got kicked off because an algorithm kicked you off and it was, uh, it was a mistake? And it takes you two months to get your channel back and maybe you've lost a lot of your subscribers and... You know, who should have the right to do that? That's your property. That's your lifestyle. And that's where the economy is going. Save for the intellectual property generation. We've had numerous problems in some of our channels and assets where there's been false flags of IP that we owned that uh, some other company claimed it. We got a channel taken down, and we had to go and fight even threaten litigation against YouTube to get to a point where they say, oh, we made a mistake. Sorry about that. Our bad. We'll, we'll turn that back on. It's just too much power to these, uh, to these oligarchy of, of tech companies. But in, broadly speaking, that's the point of blockchain. It takes any centralized system 
that's a multi-sided marketplace. So you have producers and consumers, whether that be a banking system, an identity system, a voting system, a social network. And it allows you to rebuild it so that there's no centralized authority that controls it. And your protocols are kind of like constitution. You know, you got your freedom of speech and your freedom of religion. You can write that down in code, and that creates a fair, equal playing field for every single participant, regardless of who they are. So, you know, that's not the case with all these big services. Like, Bill Gates gets a very different Microsoft user experience than I do. But you know what? With Cardano (laughs) or Ethereum, even though I founded these systems, I have the exact same user experience that you do as a user. And the system doesn't have a special Charles Hopkins door or something like that because it's a protocol. It treats everybody truly equally. And what we've learned is human beings are notoriously bad at doing that. We always make exceptions to the rules for our friends and family and these types of things. And that's just not how commerce and consent, identity, uh, or any of these things, expression should operate. Everybody should be treated equally. Money talks, and that's uh, to go take it to Bitcoin. I mean, and the the example of blockchain technology growing through the introduction of Bitcoin, the key thing for people that are into crypto and Bitcoin is like, okay, it's decentralized. Nobody even knows who invented it. And nobody is individually responsible for the powering of the network. It's the collective computers together sharing the work and doing the work together and saying, all right, we're going to all agree based on mathematics. There's no friend of the Bitcoin network that's going to get super special treatment because they know the person. And when you hear crypto, people think, okay, Bitcoin. But more importantly nowadays, I think, Charles, they think of these other coins that are centralized. So in cryptocurrency, there's bad actors out there, just as there is in other parts of the world. Yeah, and uh, it's, you know, a completely new ecosystem, and we have to learn how to moderate. But 14 years in, to go from nothing to 130 million people and several trillions of dollars of value, it's it's a really remarkable thing. And what's so cool is real-time, we're learning how to kind of rebuild the uh, the DNA of the the global systems of the world and put them on a, a trustless foundation where everybody's equal and we're all treated fairly. And in an age of diminishing trust in institutions, that's the way we gotta go, because that's how we learn how to trust each other again. Such a great job. Thank you, Charles. Um, WKXL Radio, this is a WKXL Spotlight with the CEO of Input Output, Charles Hoskinson. You're listening to WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, nhtalkradio.com. Welcome back to WKXL Spotlight. I'm eagerly anticipating the next words from Charles Hoskinson, who's our guest today. Is doing a lot of great things in humanity. And sometimes you get branded, oh, you're in crypto. Okay, you, you know, you're a crypto guy. And that's all people think about because that's all that's told to them on the news. As we went to commercial break there. I kind of threw in, you know, know, crypto um, has bad actors in it. And I love the messaging of Charles about having control over the decisions that you make. Like for me as a cryptocurrency investor, I can choose to invest in any coins. There's over 20,000 of them. I can pick a one, two, three, four. Well, I am heavily invested in Cardano, Charles, mostly because of you and I trust you based on the words you say, even though I don't know you. So how would you react to that? 
Well, it is a challenge because the problem with trust is we tend to endow our hopes and dreams into an individual or a company or, or a brand. And the, the one thing I've learned in life is that people always let you down in some way or another. You know, no matter if you're a Peyton Manning fan or if you, you know, love a particular presidential candidate or, you know, you like an institution, if you run the clock long enough, something will happen that pisses you off and says, oh, they violated the trust. And what you need to focus on is to take a step back and say, what are the institutions and processes and procedures that exist to actually restore and reinforce trust in a place over time? So how are they audited? How are they regulated? You know, what, what, what policies and procedures are there to keep everybody honest over a long arc of time? Because people get old, people's priorities change, people retire. And the power of cryptocurrencies is that what they do is they audit themselves, and they have math, and they have code, and they, they kind of behave in a very predictable way over a long arc, regardless if they happen to be locally convenient or inconvenient. So you know, the rule of thumb is that at any given time, at least one person ought to be pissed off about it, because the system, <laughs> by operating, it pisses some people off, that it, and it creates inconveniences, and you don't get those bailouts or those exceptions to the rule. But, you know, once you have that, it's almost like physics. And I always go back to that. No matter... How convenient or inconvenient gravity is to you, it's going to apply the same way on Monday as it does Tuesday. And I believe me, there's one or two mountain climbers or skydivers that really hope that gravity doesn't apply to them. Uh, you know, and so, unfortunately, gravity is gravity. And, and that's okay, because once you have predictable rules, what do you get? Engineering. Engineers know how the laws of physics work, and then they build around it, and suddenly we have all this magical infrastructure, and there's a universality to it. It doesn't matter if you're an Iranian engineer, Israeli, a North Korean, South Korean, Russian, American, Chinese. The laws are the same. So there's a universal language that all of these people basically connect to, and that's how you build progress. Well, the thing is, we don't have a social equivalent of that at the moment. We try really hard with constitutions, these things, but... There's always exceptions. There's always regime change. It's always a war of entropy where every new generation undervalues or doesn't fully understand what they've been given. So they, they tend to let those things get neglected. And over one or two generations, uh, you know, it, it chips away. So the point of blockchain technology is to kind of create an artificial laws of physics for social physics. It basically applies that to society. And then, it, then because you get that universality, it works the same way in Korea, as it does in Russia, as it does in America. And then you can start talking about creating some universal concerns in society, like universal human rights and, you know, universal economic rights. Uh, and you move to systems where we can really start talking about how human beings should live long term. One of the things that pissed me off more than anything else is every single thing in my life, I didn't consent to. There's no contract I said. It's not like I got born and you know, I, I signed on the dotted line, you agree to follow the United States. No, they just said, <laughs> follow it or else. Yes. You know, and that's the truth for the vast majority of us. It's like, we have no say in how money works. We have no say in how voting works. We have no say in how the government works. We're just basically told, accept it. Accept the two-party system. Accept uh, how the federal government works. Accept the $34 trillion in debt. And what's so cool about blockchain is it's the first time in human history where we got a movement together that said, you know, yeah, we don't really accept that. We're, we're, we're going to kind of go in a different direction. And, you know, if enough of us get on board, it's 130 million now. That's pretty impressive. Uh, then we call that a revolution. And you kind of build a new governance system, and then people opt into that. And that system's a lot more fair because there's, there's no notion of, 
special privileged elite people inside of it. Everybody's treated equally, but yet at the same time, it's compatible with capitalism, unlike communism or these other things. And at the same time, it's compatible with, you know, faith-based organizations and all kinds of things that uh, we traditionally do care about, especially in the United States. It allows people just to kind of set aside those human frailties and focus on the things that really matter and build those things up. You just make so much sense when I listen to you, Charles. I tell, I'll tell you this. I think I'm pretty smart, right? When I talk to most people, I'm like, man, all right, I think I'm smarter than this person. Not, not that I'm always judging, but it's just a, a character flaw that I have. I think too highly of myself. But when I'm talking to you or listening to you, I'm like, this dude's way smarter by a mile than I am. Where did you go to school? Where did you go to college? So I, I was homeschooled, and maybe that's why I have the, the you know the, the crazy view of humanity. I graduated very early. I graduated from high school when I was fifteen because I worked through every summer, and then I uh, I started ironically at a community college, you know, for our age community college, and I transferred to Metro State, and then later on went to CU Boulder, and I studied mathematics. Uh, but you know that's immaterial uh, to this view because higher places of education really aren't about creating well-rounded oh, yeah. understanding of the world. Yeah. They're, they're about creating employees and very specialized people with very specialized skill sets. They don't really teach you about critical thinking no. and philosophy. You have to be super curious, and also you have to be a bit of a firebrand. You have to get upset over the fact that things around you aren't working so well. But then you also have to have enough wisdom not to get swept up in a particular radical philosophy, whether it's the woke stuff or you know, a particular conservative philosophy, whatever it has, because basically you're just signing away all your free will to a house of concerns. And maybe it works for a few things you're angry at, but at the end of the day, it's not a one-size-fits-all. You have to be a first principles thinker, and you have to say, okay, well, let's start from the very bedrock of things, which is, why is the world not fair? Okay, well, it's the unequal distribution of resources and capabilities, and the fact that at any given time, you're dealing with intergenerational concerns. A lot of the stuff we have is, is, is like the game is, it's almost like a Monopoly game where you just started playing, but the game's been played for a few hours by other players. And they're just being dumped into it. And you say, okay, go out and figure it out. Okay, well, when you look at it that way, you say, okay, well, if we're going to win this game, we have to play a new game. We have to reset the game and get everybody to opt into that new game and then have equal rules and equal application of those rules, or else you'll never have a fair system. And what the name of the game for the, the legacy system is to keep you just above revolution, just happy enough that you don't take guns and run to the street. But at the end of the day, whatever that threshold is, it's pretty low, you is, know. And then every now and then you just, you let you let a big riot happen, and then you find a scapegoat, and then you reset the clock. That's not how you run the world, and it, 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 we are so far beyond that. Access to knowledge and information. Uh, we should take advantage of that, and we should realize that we're in control of our own lives, and everything is, whether they tell you or not, consent-based. You consent to pay taxes. You consent to the world around you. And if you don't like it, let's start changing it proactively. Is that what, what motivates you? Is, is this yeah. what motivates you to get up out of bed? Your first thoughts is to be able to go out and try and believe that you can create, using technology, a system that allows everybody to feel empowered, that they have a chance to do what they want to do and not just kind of follow in direction? A hundred percent. Because if you don't have liberty and freedom, and you don't have the ability to control the destiny of your life, you have nothing. Look at Jack Ma. He was most, one of the most powerful guys in China. He's a billionaire, and then he pissed off the government. And suddenly he's wandering the streets of Thailand, eating noodles, learning Taoist poetry, trying not to get shot. 
I mean, this is just the reality of, of uh, totalitarianism and, and the ebbs and flows of the world. And it's, the game shouldn't be, how do I get high enough on the pyramid to be left alone? The game should be, how do I get rid of a pyramid that victimizes and harms people? And that's the American spirit. We, we could have right. easily negotiated with England and you know, made a good deal for Thomas Jefferson and you know, uh, Washington and the other guys. You know, they're aristocrats. They're rich people. They, of course they could get along with England. They could buy a little land, get a title. But what they did is they put their name on a document that basically said, if this doesn't go the way we think it's going to go, we're all going to get hanged. And that's where we started. And then suddenly, because of that, we earned the right to have the first constitutional republic. And so every generation has to renew that spirit and say that that those freedoms and liberties are not guaranteed. They they only exist as as far as we're willing to fight for them. And cryptocurrencies, blockchain is an extension of that mindset. It's a way that we can get to a future where we can preserve and protect what our parents took for granted, our grandparents took for granted, especially with all these exponential technologies like AI and synthetic biology and nanotech. You know, every five, ten years, you're building something as consequential as a nuclear weapon. And instead of five governments controlling it in a big, you know, international effort to talk about it, you have like a company of 100 people, 200 people. Like Sam Altman today has more power over your life and your children's education than Joe Biden does, if you really think about it. Because all your kids are K through 12, they're, they're going to go to ChatGPT and ask, what's this, what's that? And if they align it one way, he basically gets to decide what they think and how they think and how the teachers teach them think. One guy that you never met, never talked to, don't vote for. So does this current political system mean anything? No. So you need different technology and different ways of regulating these things. And that's what our industry is about at its core. And that's why it's so seductive and so powerful. It gives people their power pack. And it's amazing to have people as intelligent as you, Charles, who can actually build these systems. And I can hear the confidence in your voice that we can make things happen. It doesn't have to be negativity every day. You can look forward to a changing world in the future. It's it's within our capability. Thank you so much for coming on the show here. Uh, Charles Hoskinson, CEO of Input Output. This is WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, and htalkradio.com. Wow, my brain's a little on overload. (laughs) Welcome back to WKXL Spotlight. What a discussion there with Charles Hoskinson, CEO of Input Output. When you you listen to him, you really have to put on your listening hat or helmet. (laughs) It's like, wow, because he's got a talent for being able to go in different directions, right? He'll go for one topic and then he's going over here a little bit and it's related. It makes sense how he's jumping from the one thought to the other, but he does it quickly. And then he's talking with so much intelligence. It's like, whoa, dude, we were just talking about this over there. Now we're talking about something different. But yeah, well, let me listen. Let me put my helmet on and make sure I'm listening to you. Um, I just hung up the phone with Charles, said thank you very much. He has a meeting he's going to be running to. And I just wanted to come back and do a little bit of a summarization, I guess, and uh, put my own thoughts on top of the conversation there, it resonates with you, doesn't it? There's a dose of positivity in his thinking and in his words. Hopefully you can hear that. And so with 
with Charles, as I've listened to him through the years, I've heard him do AMAs on Twitter where he's just talking about various topics. You can type in, hey, uh, Charles, what do you think about this? And he'll answer. And he's always cool um, with, with the personality. Sometimes there's frustrations when certain things are happening, but he always tries to stay somewhat positive, in my my view, anyway. And I hear that, I mean, when you can choose what direction you're going to spend your time in every single day, you're talking about glow-in-the-dark plants? Did he, was he really saying that? I think he was. Did he also say bringing back the woolly mammoth into real real world? I, I, um, I'm going to have to re-listen to it, but I'm pretty sure he was touching on those topics. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? What are you doing this? You doing in the lab doing experiments? Just the fact that he's associated with these types of like game changing, world changing events, technologies, and and passions. It's like, wow, dude, you know, you got some motivation behind you. You can actually change some of the world. And at the same time, I, I hear that positivity. I also hear, yeah, you can change the world, but there's a lot of rules you might have to play by in order to change it. And these are my words, not his. Like, if you don't play by certain rules, we might not let you play the game at all. Or you might not be able to play it in the way that is motivating you on a day-to-day basis. If you're waking up in the morning saying, okay, I'm going to put my time into Cardano and building out the, the infrastructure for the, the financial use of the coin in transactions and whatnot, and you spend all your time and you perfect it so that, okay, the scale, people are going to be able to use this to conduct transactions on a speed equivalent to like what, uh, let's say, American Express or Visa or these big credit card companies can do. They can process transactions instantaneously almost. Well, really, it's not even close to that. It takes a couple days to clear, but they can do a large number of them instantaneously. So as a crypto um, creator, you could focus your time on that. It's like, all right, I want to be able to process as many transactions securely. Well, what if you are able to finally do that, but the government says, well, wait a minute, no, 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 you can't do it this way. You can't do it that way because you got to play within the existing legacy system. So that's the type of world that that guy there that you were just listening to, Charles, is, is dealing in. So he has to not only like invent new stuff, he has to look at the ramifications of what's going to happen in various industries because it might not be the same in every industry. You start talking about artificial intelligence, there might be a different rule for like automotive stuff versus uh, pharmaceutical uh, inventions, healthcare, and whatnot. You have to not just create the technology, you have to be like, all right, how are we going to be able to use it and, and make sure that you're doing it in a way that the existing system might be okay with or as a comp- competitor to the existing system. Charles talked about the $34 trillion in debt that our country has. And nobody's really all that worried, right? We complain about inflation, but what the heck, man? I don't know how to fix the $34 trillion in debt. Like, we're here. All right, we've been borrowing money. All right, whatever the reasons have been. I know I have my own opinions on that as to why we're so much in debt. But now we're paying over a trillion dollars as a country every year just on the interest of the debt. And what's happening now is interest rates are continuing to rise, maybe now kind of leveling off. But 
the amount of interest that we've had to pay on debt from the past has been low because interest rates were so low, whether it was 0% or shortly above. Well, now, as those loans kind of come up for renewal, they're going to be, quote unquote, like renewed at higher interest rates. So the payments that we're going to have to pay, and these are direct payments out of your taxes, people. You're spending more money. This is why cryptocurrency and the technology behind it, the blockchain technology is so cool to me is like you have this technology that can do so much in so many different vertical markets like Charles was talking about. But we think of blockchain as crypto. And when you hear crypto, you think automatically Bitcoin, where it's like that's a total offshoot, total separate thing. It's on its own island, except for the fact that money is what talks. And when you start looking at Bitcoin and the fact that, I mean, the, the price rises and decreases are what dominates the, the news landscape, that's what people think and talk about. You want to talk crypto? Okay. How much is Bitcoin worth? Am I, have I made money on my investment or did I invest when it was $65,000 a year ago or two years ago and then held it all the way down to 30000 and and lost not just what I had invested in Bitcoin, but in the, all the other coins that I had invested too that had been going up. So I put money into those and I lost 60, 70, 80, 90% of what they were worth in that. Oh, crypto's a scam. Crypto's a scam. Well, here's the deal. Like to continue the growth in that industry for blockchain, there's got to be money. There's got to be investment. So you need a leader to get the news, to get the attention and the ability to make such money in crypto, like for the people that bought Bitcoin when it was cents or dollars, and now it's worth $50,000 roughly, like you were able to buy that when it was a quarter, 50 cents, a dollar, and now you'd be owning multiple islands in the, <laughs> in the Pacific or wherever you want to be owning islands if you had gotten in at the right time. Well, that creates story. That creates investment. That spurs like other people to want to get into the space. These wicked smart people that are way above my pay grade. All I know is when I listen to Charles talk, I'm like, I kind of like what that dude says. I, I like the ability to feel like I'm the master of my own future. I, I get to make my own decisions. And as you hear him talk, whether it's about social media or healthcare or whatever, it's like a lot of people, politics certainly, it's like, no, the decisions are made for you. Like how many political candidates that are going to be running in November for president of the United States? I mean, how many of them are you really, really going to like? 100%. Well, don't tell me, oh, we had votes and it was like, these were your choices. You you could have chosen anybody and we picked on the Republican side, Donald Trump, and on the Democrat side, Joe Biden. It's like, well, come on. Did we really have a choice, though? Did we really? Or were those just the two that were put up by the groups and, you know, got the money and now they're here? I mean, you could have your own decision on that, but I just feel like an air of optimism that I can control some of my life, some of whether it's social media, whatever it is, I want to be able to say what I can say and not fear that I'm going to be kicked off a website or that nobody's going to buy a certain product that 
I said something about or didn't say something about whatever it is. It's just such a tangled web out there that when I listen to Charles talk, it's like, oh, he kind of just makes it all make sense. I followed for the crypto stuff. For people, I mean, I've said it out, out loud there earlier, I do own some Cardano. We didn't talk hardly at all about Cardano. I was going to ask Charles about you know, who the creator of Bitcoin is. Satoshi Nakamoto is a fictitious character. Nobody knows who created Bitcoin. And a lot of people say that's the most interesting part of it. I go, I don't know, that's kind of the sketchy part, actually, when I peel back the onion. But that's my own thinking. You get a chance to decide. You're in control. Do you want to listen to this interview once and that's it? Or do you want to start to learn more about crypto and See what some of these companies are doing out there because it's pretty cool stuff in my view. Totally up to you. You have the power. Thanks for listening to this WKXL Spotlight on WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. NHTalkRadio.com is where you can go to uh, get this on demand at any time or listen live to all the different shows we have. Have a great day out there, everybody.